Welcome to the Net Front Presence podcast. This is the post-mortem edition. I'm Jeff Gordon of the Post-Dispatch, joined by our beat reporters, Jim Thomas and Tom Timmerman. We're going to break down what went wrong in bubble hockey and the very challenging, you know, look at the very challenging offseason that looms for the Blues. And we'll get into all of that right after this. Welcome back to the Net Front Presence. Jim Thomas, let's jump right into it. Uh, what the heck went wrong in Edmonton? You're up there. Our heroes had seemingly turned the uh, series in their favor. They were up in the pivotal game five. Life looked good. And then pfft, just went flat. <laughs> well, that, that, that's an apt description, Jeff. I think it goes back to the round robin games. Uh, we all knew they were pretty much meaningless. But still, the plan, the off-stated plan, both by Doug Armstrong and and Craig Berube was, we're going to ramp up. We want to be at the peak of our game when we're done with the round robins. Yeah, we want to win the games, but uh, that's not really the thing. And it just, they just weren't into the round robins. They, they were terrible in the third period. Bennington was fantastic for four periods. Then he gives up six goals uh, against Vegas in the, in the, in the uh, last, last two periods. And, and that continued to be a problem. So uh, I think that's where they kind of got behind. And to me, it took two games. We get to the second Vancouver game. It's like, okay, they're back. They're back on their game. But again, it took them two games to do that. And then as you say, Jeff, it, they had it. They, they, they had the momentum. They had everything going their way uh, with that three, one lead after winning two to tie the series two two. And it, it just, uh, it just disappeared. And uh, uh, I, I don't think there's an easy answer to it. And it, it's something that, uh, uh, Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube are gonna gonna think about where where was the energy where was the buy-in? Uh, even Berube said uh, after the uh, round robin we weren't fully invested. Well, you know I know you're away from home, I know it's tough circumstances, but it's your job and you're you're being well paid. And if you didn't want to be there, you had the option to opt out with no financial penalty. So very puzzling, very unblues like. Yeah, it was clear in game six. I mean they just. You know, their, their bags were packed at that point. I mean, they just didn't – it barely showed up for that game. Um, and you can see that that was one of the things people suspected about bubbles, whether it's the NBA or the NHL, that once you got a team on the brink of elimination, that minds were going to wander and teams were going to have a hard time getting in. But you see – you saw the teams that played well in the round robins in the West. You saw that Vegas and Colorado came out and played great, and that carried them over into the next round. And – you know, the Blues didn't have it, and they were looking, okay, we just have to be our best there, uh, but it's tough to get back. I mean, Craig Berube said all along, you can't just flip the switch. The Blues counted on flipping the switch, and, you know, it was kind of it was more of a dimmer. They weren't flipping, they were turning the dial, and it took them a while till the, till the lights came on, and by then they had frittered away all the margin for error uh, that they had. So, uh, you know, at that point they couldn't make mistakes, and they did, and they couldn't run into a hot goalie, and they did. And that's why they're sitting at home right now. And we're sitting at home right now. You know, I guess nobody take, takes more heat for, the, uh, for what happened in Edmonton than Jake Biddington. Certainly uh, just uh, no way to sugarcoat it, just a disaster for, for Jake. And, uh, or for Jordan, sorry, for Jordan. And, and Jake Allen gets a chance to, to come in and, and, and create a, a square one scenario perhaps for next year if he's, if he's not traded. So Jordan Biddington, 
uh, has a chip on his shoulder. Jordan Bennington has overcome a lot of uh, things in his young career. He's persevered. He's shown the ability until this tournament to bounce back. Um, so where, where's our level of confidence um, in, in Bennington? Where's the, the organization's level of confidence in Bennington that Jordan can, can bounce back and, and be the guy that, uh, that won a cup? Well, I, I think, and kind of to preview a, a season-ending article I'm, I'm working on for, for Sunday, it's the entire, as we enter the entire offseason, I think the Blues have more questions than they thought they would. I think they've got to think a little bit about this goalie situation now, which wasn't a question before. You know, the Huso is signed to a, a, a one-way contract, Ville Huso, who was, at time, he was ahead on the pecking order. Uh, ahead of Bennington, and uh, I don't think that precludes them keeping out. Do they have to think long and hard about keeping Allen? How much weight do you put in those three and a half games in which Bennington gave up uh, 19 goals? I mean, there were 37 goalies when the first round ended that had appeared that had played in the two bubble cities, and, and Bennington was like 34th out of the 37 in terms of save percentage and goals against uh, average. You know, the guy who, do I look nervous? I don't know if he looked nervous, but he didn't look confident there at, at the end. And again, kind of fitting the theme very unblues-like that he didn't bounce back after one or two uh, bad performances. So, I, 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 again, I, th I think you, you have to at least think a little bit about, boy, maybe we should hang on to Allen, but how does that affect what you do with Petrangelo? Yeah, it's going to be – it's tough to fit Petrangelo if you keep Allen because that's the most obvious salary uh, to, to make up part of that money. But you look over the course of the season, Jake Allen had better numbers. You look over the postseason, Jake Allen had better numbers. You know, just based on how they played in Vancouver for game six, Jake Allen, you know, should have been the choice. I mean, he had played better than Bennington had. Now, that's a tough choice to make. I mean, you got a goalie who has led you to a Stanley Cup and you got Jake Allen. Like, well, you know, okay, you're going to go with the guy – that's gotten you to the cup, but Jake Allen had just played better. Um, and one thing we'd never, you know, Jordan Bennington probably let up as many soft goals in that time in Edmonton as, you know, we saw, you know, through most of last year. I mean, that was the one thing he didn't do. He got beat by not making the great save, but he made all the saves he was supposed to make. He didn't do that uh, this time around. And so it, it is, it's, it's tough because remember last year when he was, you know, setting these milestones for rookie goalies and you look at him and say, oh, he's the most, you know, the best rookie goalie. And you look at the other guys on the list and they were guys who were classic flashes in the pan, guys who had that one great year. And then where'd they go? And by the end, he finally got to a level where is, you know, he's in the same sentence with Ken Dryden. But before that, there were a lot of guys that when you're on that best ever by a rookie are guys that didn't do much else. So He's got a lot of – there's still a lot proving to be done. Yeah, and when you look back in recent history, I mean, you see uh, Matt Murray was supposed to be the guy in Pittsburgh, and it turns out maybe he's not. Um, they've got a decision to make on their two goaltenders. Uh, you look at uh, the Capitals win a Stanley Cup, Braden Holpe was the guy. Well, he's probably not now, and uh, hits the, he probably hits the market and, and is replaced after just a horrendous uh, start to finish season, and he failed to answer, answer the bell in the postseason. When you look around, you see Corey Crawford has had all sorts of adventure, including injury, and Jonathan Quick really has fallen into, into a real uh, tough place after his success with the Kings. And, 
Man, it's tough goaltending. I mean, if you're Doug Armstrong, you just look at the uh, – you don't need an analytics guy to tell you that. It's just <laughs> dicey. It's just yeah. flat-out dicey. Yeah, and uh, uh, I, Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube in their season enders, they, they said all the right things. They have, they have confidence in him. He's focused. Uh, uh, he'll be back, and, and, and we, we're confident he'll be back and, and, and be the old Jordan. But you just don't know. And the thing is, you have both these guys are both making around four – Point four million, uh, Allen I think fifty thousand less, and they have one year left on the contract. So you've got to commit to one. Are you sure that it's Jordan Bennington that uh, that you're going to uh, uh, to commit to? Because uh, again, it's a it's still a short a short sample size for Jordan. There's 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 no doubt about that. Yeah, but letting him go would be the ultimate gutsy call because, you know, who is – if Jake Allen goes to another team and they win a Stanley Cup, you say, oh, that's great. If Jordan Bennington goes to another team and wins another Stanley Cup, now you're really bad. I mean, now you're like, well, now what were you thinking? So, and their hands are kind of tied on that, and that, you know, Bennington almost has to be the, the choice on the on the guy you keep unless you know something at some other level because that's just the way the – the situation is. And, and can I add something here, Jeff? I, I, I don't blame, uh, I don't blame uh, uh, Baruby. I mean, it backfired obviously spectacularly, but I, I don't blame him for going with, uh, with Bennington, uh, especially since, uh, you know, Baruby is, uh, his batting average on, on these moves have been pretty good. He's the one that uh, initially decided, uh, uh, sorry, Jake, we're going to, we're going to go with Bennington in eighteen nineteen and, and uh, just some of the things he's done with the lines and, and uh, even some of his in-game adjustments. He, he seems to have just a great uh, instinct for things. But this one, uh, nobody's perfect. And this one was, uh, uh, I guess, a spectacular uh, no, no go. But, uh, again, I, I give him a mulligan on this one. As Tom mentioned, uh, the keeping Jake, um, who did do a nice job of showcasing uh, himself to the rest of the leagues, like, hey, guys, I'm still, I'm still a good goalie. Uh, but keeping him would create a, a complication as they ponder the possibility of, of keeping Alex Petrangelo. And that's, of course, the uh, one of our two big topics to cover today. And Alex, you know, said all the right things about, you know, loving his time in St. Louis and it would be cool to stay here. And he acknowledging the, the, what it's nice, how nice it is to see an Al McInnes, uh, you know, still around or organization and, and still living here and all these things. And that could be possibly something for him. But uh, he's unsigned, and this team has basically spent its money at the moment for, for next year with a flat cap. Uh, a lot would have to happen to keep Alex Petrangelo, and I guess, JT, the, the sooner they have a sense of that, uh, as far as the front office goes, the better, because it's going to be difficult uh, at best to try to create space to keep him. Uh, keep in mind, you can, you can make trades right now if you're out of the playoffs, and the Blues are out of the playoffs. And, and so Doug Armstrong can at least poke around. He made it pretty clear that it's kind of a two-phase process and that the first phase would be, okay, we've got a number, we've got a contract that will work with Petro. And then phase two would be, okay, how do we, we free up that money? But it, it, it's a complicated thing. And, uh, you know, if Petro waits to the, uh, like the, the first day of, free agency, which we're not exactly clear when that, that is, but it'll be 
almost too late to, 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 to do anything uh, uh, if you're Armstrong. Again, I'm sure Armstrong is, is trying to sow some seeds uh, right now. I, I, I'm, I'm a little pessimistic that, that, that he'll be back because I thought if, if he would sign, he, he, he would have done it by now. And uh, there was a time when the Blues had enough money, but uh, uh, as Armstrong pointed out, they, they couldn't just wait, put the entire team and the entire roster shaping on hold. So they re-up Shen, they trade for Falk, which may or may not have been a reaction to, uh, you know, we heard rumors that uh, maybe there was an offer made uh, back right around the start of the season that, uh, uh, that Petro and his, 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 his people rejected. And maybe that was a reaction to that. Although I, I think Armstrong, you know, d- denied it at the time, but then also even during the pandemic, uh, you, you re-signed Blay, you re-signed McEachern and you, and you re-up uh, uh, Scandella. Now that in itself, those three contact tracks wouldn't have been enough to re-sign Petro, but at least it would have kind of kept you in the ballpark. So, uh, I don't know. I, 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 a part of me says, I wonder if this train is, is has left the station. Yeah, you wonder. I mean, would the worst case scenario be you, you trade Jake Allen, you trade Jaden Schwartz to open the space, and then you don't resign Petrangelo? You know, and now you're now you're out. You know, three players that you that you liked having. So they gotta they gotta balance that. And they gotta know from Petrangelo if they got a chance. And once they got a chance, then you know, Armstrong can see about making the moves he needs to make to, uh, to, to create the space. But yeah, I mean, that would be, I guess, one of the tip-offs that I think is going to happen if all of a sudden we see that, you know, Jake Allen or someone who's making a lot of money gets traded. They probably have to get rid of two guys that make a good, you know, make $4 million or more. So, um, you know, it's going to, they, to, to make Petrangelo be here, they got to part company with like, probably two guys that, they, they wouldn't mind having. And, uh, you know, the Maple Leafs just dumped, uh, to Jim's point about the market being open, they just dumped uh, Barry Kapanen uh, in for a draft for a draft pick. But basically that's just a, that's just step one and, and clearing cap space. If uh, Nylander goes tomorrow for a first-round pick with nobody coming back, <laughs> then suddenly I'm thinking you're, you're, starting to re- you're starting to read the tea leaves if you're Armstrong because – uh, Toronto would be the most attractive possibility for Alex, and and, and they can if, if they if they make one more move to get to where they mm-hmm. need, and I think that would in Nylander's money would get them right there. I think they're going to let Tyson Berry walk, and that would leave them with maybe one minor move to make. And meanwhile, you know Armstrong's holding out all these different guys that he's got that he you know, some of them you just simply cannot trade. You can't trade a Tyler Bozak at five million dollars easily. You certainly can't trade the, what's left of Alexander Steen. Um, yeah, I mean, we may know sooner than later, if based on what other teams are doing to try to set the market. Yeah, not not too much. Uh, uh, if this continues in Toronto, not you, you don't have to decipher that uh, uh, too much. That's that, that that that's for sure. So yeah, it, it, it's a it's a it's it's a tough situation. And again, my uh, sense and 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 experience in terms of dealing with this, as, even in the football world, is if a player waits this long. Uh, and that this regular season or the season comes to an end, he, he usually wants to test the market. And uh, for for all the uh, comments that uh, that Petro's making about how he wants to be here and whatever, I I think he's kind of curious to see what's out there. He, he wants. I mean, he think he's and he has. He's earned it, and he wants to try to get it. Yeah. You know, one thing you won't see this year is 
teams that can say, oh, we got space under the cap. We can, we can take on that salary. You know, the, the days of the Coyotes just rounding up, you know, taking everybody's, you know, uh, debris uh, is gone. Uh, that's just not going to happen this year, you would think. So, uh, yeah, we'll have to see how that uh, pans out. But it's, uh, you know, trades are going to be tough. It's, you know, with the cap, there's not like teams are floating in dough. Uh, anymore, and it's going to be a flat cap for a while. So you have teams that are looking to the future, and you have to think about these things. Of course, another cap-related issue and another unfortunate development for the Blues: uh, the uh, recurring shoulder problems for Vladimir Tarasenko. He and his seven-point-five million dollars salary are going to be um, uh, out of action well into next season, you know, unless the season is really pushed back late uh, because of the pandemic. Uh, he's looking at, uh, an, you know, another another stab at reconstructing a, a twice reconstructed shoulder. Uh, this situation just shapes up badly on, on, on so many levels, JT. I mean, is he ever going to be the same guy? And if he's not, how do you deal with that fact of, uh, of that giant uh, salary cap hit? In a, as Tom points out, in an era when we may not see the cap move up much at all during the length of uh, his remaining contract. Yeah, and it's not like you just have Tarasenko for, for, for one more year. You've got him three more seasons at $7.5 million. And if the season starts early December as, as they plan, I mean, he's, he's, he's going to miss at least two months. Uh, he, he wouldn't be available till early February. And that's, you know, Five week, uh, five months. Excuse me. That's a pretty bold, uh, you know, schedule or timeline to get him back. We saw this time nine months uh, wasn't enough, and so uh, it, it really looks like that this is going to be a, a, a chronic thing. And uh, in his Instagram post, Tarasenko made it sound like, uh, yeah, they 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 found out uh, what was wrong, and and. Uh, uh, He's confident they'll fix it this time, but there, there just aren't any guarantees. And again, my experience and people, doctors I've talked to is the, the more you, you dislocate a shoulder, the more likely it is to get dislocated that the tendons and ligaments, you can, once they're loosened up, you can only tighten them so much. So it's, it's, it's really problematical, Jeff. It, it, it really is in, in terms of what it does to the cap. Now, the Blues cap situation improves a lot after this 2021 season. They only have 47 million committed to the uh, what would that be 2021-22 cap, but still, it's uh, you know having having seven and a half million if he's not able to contribute or not able to contribute close to what he was. That's that, that's a pretty big albatross. You know, it seems like NHL contracts is always one year too many. You know, the Blues, <laughs> you know. Alexander Steen's got one more year. Bozak's got one more year. Gunnarsson has one more year. And, if the, and, and you could be in a situation where you, you got all those guys and you can't move them and they're there. And next year you'd be, you'd be great on spending money on people, but you can't right now. Um, and Tarasenko will be tough because he's going to come back. You know, unless things are really wrong, he will be back for the bulk of next season. And so they're going to have to fit that 7.5 million. You can't, you can make it go away for a little while on long-term IR, but you can't make it go away for the whole year. So he's going to be there, and they have to be under the cap when he's there. So it's a reality of what you're going to do. So they can't just spend that money. You know, he might be gone for two months, but he's going to be back for, for four months. So you got to deal with that. So their hands are tied, and, you know, Armstrong went straight to it yesterday. Jordan Cairo, 
you know, we got to get something, you know, it's pretty. He said two things. He said, one, Jordan Kyrie has to get a chance and then Jordan Kyrie has to perform. And, and I was wondering if that was, you know, we haven't given Jordan Kyrie a chance. He's been there. He's played, you know, he, but he played three minutes and 50 seconds in game six. You know, not a lot of chance. Obviously, they were chasing that game, a very short bench. But Jordan Kyrie, in Craig Berube's mind, hasn't earned all that time. But uh, he's, you know, he's not playing more than 12 minutes in any game since he's been in the league. Well, this will be fun because uh, the, Doug Armstrong really wants to see Jordan Cairo get his chance, and he's expressing that to his coach. Meanwhile, his coach is also expressing to the other young star, the potential young star, Robert Thomas, that he needs to uh, use his uh, offseason to work on a shot, work on his conditioning, come in ready to play the 200-foot the game. In other words, become the player, the impact player that this team needs him to be. I mean, I thought he took a big step this year. Uh, really flashed a ton of potential and and really improved his production as the year went on. Uh, didn't have a, a phenomenal uh, postseason like most of his teammates. So now we have these two guys, you know, uh, the chief challenging Thomas to take that next step. And then the, your general manager telling the chief that, hey, this other guy, you might want to actually try to play him and get him started, start the process. And so, so much of what in this past year, we saw Zach Stanford take that step. We saw Thomas take a step. Now it's on Thomas and Cairo to see. And, of course, they'd like to see Sanford continue to progress. But a lot of focus on these young forwards, JT. Yeah, and that's because with the cap situation, uh, even if, uh, even if uh, Petro goes, I mean, there's, there's, they have only like $2 million left. You, you would think they'd, they'd want to re-sign Vince Dunn, who's a restricted free agent and doesn't have arbitration uh, rights. But uh, it's got to come from within. And basically between Berube – and Armstrong's comments, they were saying, hey, we have a top six position vacancy, a penthouse apartment available on our roster for either Jordan Cairo or Robert Thomas, at least while Tarasenko is out. And he may be out a long, long time. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe through the media a little bit, they were, they were trying to nudge those two players. And uh, very direct comments from uh, uh, Barubi on, uh, on, on Thomas. And, uh, uh, a little bit of a nudge, like you two alluded to, from Armstrong to uh, Ruby. Hey, you might want to play this guy, but you know what it is with Ruby. If you're not going to go and, and muck it up along the, the walls or, or in the corner and check, and instead of an Kairou, he tends to float, uh, you're not going to play for him. And, and what I would do if I were the Blues, because Kairou's not a big man, I would just show him video of Jaden Schwartz. And, and how much he hustles, how he's not afraid to dig in the corners, how he's not afraid to get right in front of the net with the, with the big boys and, and say, hey, you need to, you need to play like uh, this. Because there's no doubt he has he – has, uh, I, I think Barubi even said it this way. He, he has flashes of greatness when he, when he makes a certain plays. So, yeah, those are, the, those are the two guys that really have to step up. And, and there are a lot of other younger players that can improve. Sanford can still improve. Barbashev is, is actually still pretty young. Uh, he can improve. Vince Dunn, assuming he's back. And, I, again, as an RFA, he has, he has no leverage. So we, we assume they've, they've got a lot of young players that, uh, that can uh, improve. And, and also, you know, doesn't there come a certain time, we, we alluded to this a little bit, with the goalie situation where some of these young guys, you got, you got to give them their chance. I mean, if Petro's gone, doesn't Mikola, does he deserve a chance? Uh, 
How about Perunovic? We've seen these young college players, how, how they've come in and, and excelled right at the beginning. Perunovic has pretty good uh, DNA in terms of what he accomplished in college. Uh, sooner or later, you got to get a chance. Klim Kostin, even if it's just a fourth line uh, uh, power forward and until his offensive game comes around. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, guys. I, I get the sense of my standing. It doesn't seem like Ruby's all that crazy about playing the younger guys necessarily. And we saw another example of this when all of a sudden Troy Brower was kind of <laughs> a featured player. He was like the best of the, 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 uh, the extras there at the, at the start of the, the round robin. If Perunovic was Kale McCarr, the Blues would all be in favor of that. If the, some guy comes straight <laughs> out of college and, and plug him in. That, you know, in a salary cap world, you got to get a lot of performance out of the, the guys making the minimum because you need, them, you need probably, you know, six, eight of them on the roster to make a go of it, to make the money fit if you're paying guys a lot of money. So they are going to need those really low-salaried young guys and Sammy Blay and guys like that to – do stuff. And, you know, you look at young forwards in the system, you got Kairou and Costin, and they're the only ones that I think are really ready to take that next step. You know, guys like Toropchenko are still going to be, you know, a year or more away. So, I mean, those are the only guys that they really, you know, that haven't been NHL proved guys already who can come in and do it. And that leads me to my last topic for this edition of Front Presence. The if Alex Petrangelo leaves, uh, if that happens. The next thing I think Doug Armstrong needs to do, given the circumstances of 91's shoulder, is to go to Schwartz and see if he can't take um, the Braden Shen deal to try to say, look, you know, take here's your lifetime security, kid. You're not a kid anymore. Actually, this contract will, will carry you for your career. We'll, we'll commit to you for a, re, a term that's not unrealistic you know, for that's not crazy high, but it gives you your life, a lot of money, a lot of years. And try to lock him in because to Tom's point, I mean, you, there is no, you've traded away Dominic Bach, who has a chance to be a scorer. Uh, you've, 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 you know, you gave Robbie Fabry away because there wasn't an opportunity for him here. And you just, so you, you can't lose 91, lose Schwartz, and then and lose Petrangelo, all looking going down the road because now you're not going to have enough skill. So, I got to think that's all part of this giant equation is what do you do with Schwartz if Petro leaves, knowing that you now have some long-term money anyways to play, play with. Yeah. I, and I, I, uh, you know, I, it astounds me that when people talk about the expansion draft, they, they float Perron and Schwartz's name out there. Those serve as this, as this short playoff showed, you've got this, the, this core group of guys and, Schwartz is always ready in the playoffs. Look what he did. He was a little quiet in the cup final, but he helped get the Blues there. He scored 12 goals in, in, in three series. Piranha seems like a late bloomer. He's just playing better and better in terms of production as he get, gets older. Why would you want to get rid of those guys? With Schwartz, you know, as we mentioned, they've got cap room next year. They, they, can, they, can, uh, they can make that deal. And I don't know, Schwartz doesn't strike me as the kind of guy that uh, – uh, necessarily wants to uh, break the bank. Yeah, you 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 definitely need to bring him back. There's there's uh, Alexandrov is a, is a good prospect, but he's he's probably a couple of years away. The Blues, I, I think they probably need to keep this first round pick because they they, they got to stock the shelves at forward. They they have several defensive prospects, but there's not much in in terms of the prospect uh, 
shelf uh, uh, there. So uh, yeah, they they, they got to reload a little bit uh, in the uh, in the system. And this may be as good a first round pick as they have uh, in a while. If a team that's expected to be good, it's not it's not going to be a really high pick, but it's by blue standards, it's not going to be number thirty one <laughs> like that that you've seen in the past. So yeah, they they do need to do that. Um, yeah, you know. You know, the, the one risk you're going to run on Schwartz is the guy gets hurt a lot because of the way he plays the game. He gets in the way of pucks and is going to have things happen. And so you have to say, you know, boy, if you give Jane Schwartz a, a five-year contract, how much is he going to play of that? Because the things just seem to – trouble finds him. So that, <laughs> that would be one thing you have to think about. All right. Well, on that depressing note um... – <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Uh, it's actually been a fairly depressing edition of Netflix Presence, as most post-mortems are. They had the we'll, best uh, record in the Western Conference. Yeah. Yeah. There's Is that, that. Do you get a banner? If you're in Nashville, you get a banner for that, right? The best record in the Western Conference. Don't they well, have a banner? I believe they have a banner. You've got a division, so there's that. So there's yeah. – yeah. Jeff, I, I we, think, we haven't had a depressing edition for a while. This yeah. has been pretty depressing. And I do think this team has a chance to, to come back and take another run before the, the window shuts. Uh, despite all the adversity, there's still some real good players here. So we will be back at some point with the net front as we get into the offseason. We'll uh, get closer to the draft as if something happens with Alex, Petrangelo. There's a, there's a busy postseason ahead. At some point, we'll check back with you guys. But until then, for uh, Jim Thomas, back from Edmonton. For Tom Timmerman, I'm Jeff Gordon. This has been Net Front Presence. Reminder, check out all of our uh, features on stltoday.com, our digital subscription, our home delivery as well. Support local journalism. Until next time, for the rest of us, we'll see you later.